Unity of Farmington Hills, a positive path for spiritual living. safe but i know that i gotta make a change i don't care if i break at least i'll be feeling something just okay it's not enough help me fight through the nothingness of life i don't want to go through the motions i don't want to go one more day without your all-consuming passion inside of me another hand. (laughs) I love it that it doesn't matter if the whole band is here or not. It is still always awesome, right? Isn't it? It's still always awesome. 
Oh, man, I love it, I love it, I love it. There's so much talent in this spiritual community. I feel honored to be a part of it. Oh, so take me all the way. I don't want to go through the motions. I love it. God's moving me from that too now. It's, it's interesting. You come in prepared and then something happens and God shifts you. So I'm just going to let God do what God do. <laughs> but we're going to start off with a cute little joke. Um, I heard this, uh, this story, this uh, cute little joke about this scientist who was talking to God. And he told God, you know what? We've decided that we no longer need you. I mean, we can transplant hearts now. We can clone sheep and animals and um, we can do a lot of things now that were seeming, that seemed to be miraculous back in the day. And God said, oh, really? He said, yeah, we don't need you anymore. So God said, okay, well, let's do a test just to prove that you guys don't need me anymore. He said, okay, the scientist said, okay. So God said, let us both make man, and then we will see from there. And so the scientist said, fine. So he goes down to reach for dirt, and God goes, uh-uh, get your own dirt. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about that. I thought that was so cute. Oh, man. So we have been um, going into this series on zeal, which is our faculty of uh, being able to be enthusiastic, being able to initiate, being able to, our ability to motivate, our ability to start, and our ability to be passionate. And Charles Fillmore, who's the co-creator of the Unity Movement, said that zeal is that fire within that moves you forward, right? So last week we talked about the, hearing the urging of, of God, hearing the urgings of God. And I asked you, do you hear God? And we got, we got a conclusion that we don't listen all the time to what's going on inside, to what God's saying, right? So this week, what I want to talk about it, it, I'm telling you, God's always working with me, um, and I need my little pointer to work with the monitor. <laughs> Let me get my little pointer. So today, I want to go into the power in a whisper. And this is deep because I heard a story when I was talking, um, Reverend Bonnie, who a lot of you know Reverend Bonnie, she spoke, in, uh, spoke here before, and she and I are working on the 40th anniversary for our school that we graduated from, which is Unity Urban Ministerial School. And that's going to be on November 8th, for those of you who are coming. You know, we have a second table already started now, so go, you still have time to, to um, you know, re get your tickets. I'm, I'm still selling them. Anyway, the, the thing is, we were calling a church, which is the church of our colleague, and we were talking to her administrative um, uh, assistant, and we were asked, she, we were talking about how to put together an ad, right? And, and I always go, after that was done, I always go into conversation. You know, I, I tend to want to give. I always hear to give. So I'm talking to her, and we find out that our daughters, our, our, our first children, are about the same because they were the ones who were the rebellious ones, and they have, you know, certain issues and stuff that they were working through, emotional issues. And so she was saying that when her daughter, last year, um, I think it was last year, she said, her daughter got so bad that she ended up in a psychiatric ward. And her son-in-law called her to tell her where her daughter was, Savannah was. Her name is Angie, to tell Angie where Savannah was. And while she's on the phone, she hears this whisper, 
tell Savannah's doctors to test her for borderline personality disorder. And she, she feels it so powerfully that she, she, she tells him to repeat it, repeat what I'm saying, and he repeats it back, right? So that urging inside of her, it was, it was a power in that whisper. So I'm realizing as I was meditating on this that when you get that still small voice that is speaking to you, it may be a whisper, but the power of that whisper is as if it was a roar. It's as if it is a roar because it gives you an unction to move on it. She had to say it and she had to make sure that her daughter was tested and it turned out that's exactly what was going on. Now, uh, Angie had no idea what this disorder was, but it came out of her mouth to say that. And she followed that and they diagnosed her daughter and it was real. And now her daughter's going through doing very well with the treatment for it and she's becoming, she's moving into being, feeling really successful and, and it connects the dots on a lot of things that was happening when she was growing up on what they didn't know what was going on. How many of you, how many of us are going through life not knowing what's going on, what we're supposed to do, where we're supposed to move? We may feel stagnant, like what is going on? What is my next step? I, the, the scripture I want to use today talks about that. Because sometimes we get in a, in a place where we know what we're supposed to do. We're very zealous and we're moving it. And then we get to a point where it fizzles out. It's like, okay, what's next? So the scripture I want to use, well, let's go to the next one first. Goes is from first, uh, first Kings. It's chapter 19, verse 10. Elijah is one of the most powerful prophets in the Old Testament that's been talked about a lot. And Elijah was very aggressive in the way he was zealous for God. And there was a time where he had gone into uh, giving the Israelites the um, messages from God, and they weren't listening. They were told not to be, go into idolism. They were told not to follow the religions of the people whose, city, whose country they were living in. They were told not to do that, but they did it anyway. And so he went in, and I'm giving you the, um, the story that leads up to this part. So he goes in. The king, I think, at the time was Ahab in Israel. So he goes in and he tells Ahab, you know what? You guys are not following what God told us to do. I want you to bring everybody to, they had this, this um, area in the town where they will all meet. And at that point, the, um, the laws and rules would be read, right? But they had gotten past that. They were following um, idols and they were making statues and this kind of thing. So he said, bring everybody into town and I want to talk to everybody. So he did a, he did a demonstration with them. He had the 450 prophets from the religion that they were following that was idolism. Um, um, Baal was the god that they were following, B-A-A-L at the time, right? So he said, I tell you what, on this altar, I want you to put your, uh, pick a bull and put your bull on there, and I want you to not burn it, but 
Prepare it for your ritual, your fire ritual. Prepare this bull and put it on there and don't light it. And we're going to have your God. We're going to see whose God is the best. And whichever God is the best is the one that we will follow. So he has them sit there and they put their bull on the, on the uh, altar and it's ready to go. And, and, he's, and they're, um, they're um, praying and submitting and cutting themselves and doing their rituals to get their God to light this fire on this altar. Nothing happens. So they go all day, all day, all day, and they're doing it. And then so Elijah says, well, maybe he's on holiday. <laughs> Maybe you need to scream louder to get his attention. Maybe he's just not listening at the moment. So he's, you know, he's, uh, dote, you know, doting them. And, and so they do that. They, they start screaming louder and everything, and it doesn't work. So at the, mid, at the evening, when it's time for the Jewish people to do their ritual, he clears that away. He sets the altar. And he tells them to put water on it. And he has a trench around it as well. He says, put some more water on it. Put water on it till it fills up the whole trench around it. And then he said, then when they're sitting there waiting, he says to God, he asked God to light it. And all of a sudden it lights, it's lit up. And not only is it lit up, but the fire licks up even the water in the trenches, right? So at that point, he says, okay, now take those 450 prophets and go kill them. He's very aggressive in how he is zealous for the Lord. He's not using wisdom in there. So he's very zealous for the Lord. So at this point, Ahab's married to Jezebel. Anybody remember Jezebel? Might have a Jezebel spirit. Well, Jezebel, another idol worshiper, was married to Ahab. He goes and tells his wife about everything that happens, and she sends out a threat. She doesn't threaten Elijah in person. She sends out a threat that I'm going to kill you. Right? He gets scared and goes and hides. So God finds him while he's hiding in his cave and asks him, what's going on? So he says, I have zealously served the Lord, the Lord Almighty God, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets, the only one left. He says he's the only one left, and now they want to kill him, Right? So God has him go, let's go, go, go and stand on a mountain. And he says, and as he's standing there, he says, well, he tells me he's going to pass by him. Now, we hear God says this same thing to Moses earlier in the, in the New Testament. He says he's going to pass by him, and he, says, and he tells Moses to stand because Moses wants to meet him personally. Elijah is another one who is close enough to God in his prayer practice, in his prayer meditation practice, that he literally felt the presence of God, that he literally felt and knew the presence of God. But in this case, while he's standing there, he's standing there in fear. Right? So while he's standing there, the Lord passes by and he says that a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. And it says it was such a terror blast that the rocks tore loose, right? Can you imagine that? A wind hitting so hard, you're standing there and it knocks down the rocks down from the mountain. But in that, he doesn't hear God. And then it says that um, there was an earthquake. And even in that earthquake, he doesn't hear God. Now, what that means is anytime you're doing things in your own 
ability, trying to do things in your own motions. It may work because we co-create with God, but you will not feel God in the presence of it if you're connected on the material realm or you're connected in fear. And he was afraid that he was going to be killed. So he's in this space of not seeing God in the outer world. He's looking for God in the outer world. He does not feel the presence of God in that earthquake or in the wind because God does not exist in the outer world. God manifests and God displays in the outer world. But after the earthquake, there was a fire. And even in the fire, the Lord was not there. It was after all of that happened and Elijah went inside. Those moments where you try to do your best, you try to do your all, and nothing's working. And you finally say, I give up, God. I give up. I turn it over to you. And in that, when you turn it over to God, that's when you hear the whisper of God. And that's when that whisper, the power in that whisper, that whisper is as powerful as a roar. Now, why is this? It is because, let me go back to the one I was going to do. Let's read this together. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. If you're looking for the presence of God outside of you, you are not going to find it. It is not written there. It is not written there. If you're trying to move through the power of God, and you're trying to hear and get connected to the unction of God, it is not outside of you. It was not planted outside of you. It was planted within your deep recesses of your very soul, deep down inside of you. And when Savannah was on the phone, she had been praying for her. I mean, uh, Angie was on the phone, the lady who I was telling you about. She had been praying for her daughter. Her daughter had been going through difficult times, and she had been praying for her daughter. Her daughter was 22, 22 years of under, trying to understand what is going on with my child and praying for her child and going inside to connect and, and, and understand what's going on. In the moment that she heard her child was in the um, mental institution, she'd ask, what next? Instead of praying, what do I do? She connected and she felt the presence of God, and God told her what to do. You cannot get the instructions from God outside of you trying to figure it out on your mental. You cannot. It is not there. You can only get the instructions of God when you move from the mental consciousness and thinking and you quiet everything down and you go down inside. You have to have a prayer life to be able to be connected. And actually, you're always connected, but you have to have the prayer life to be tuned into it. It's like a radio and a radio frequency. Until you tune into the right frequency, you're not going to hear a station clearly, right? Are you tuned into your own station? Are you tuned in enough to hear that whisper of God to the point where it becomes a roar inside of you? And you know it's the presence of God talking because there's something you got to do after you hear it. There's something you got to say, even if it's just to be still and be in that peace and get deeper inside of God, and then God will guide you. But the only way you know is if you let go of trying to figure it out yourself. You cannot figure out God's issues in your life. They're not yours. They're God's. They're written inside of you, the instructions, the truth of who you are is written inside of you. You cannot figure it out anywhere else. Even when you read the Bible, this is God's word, we have been told. 
Even when you read the Bible, you cannot go off just the words. That's the letter of the law. You got to go inside of yourself and you got to connect to the spirit of what is God telling me from the spirit in me, the instructions that were written deep within me. How do I connect to that in the heart of the spirit that's inside of his word? You are the word of God. And the only way to connect with the word of God is to connect inside, tune in to the word of God and hear the power of God speaking to you as if it's a roar. And it, it becomes loud. It becomes this unction. It becomes a movement inside of you. And you know it's God telling you what to do. And you feel peace in it. Even though it's coming loud and clear, you feel peace in it. And you know it's God speaking. When Elijah was work, doing this for the Lord, he heard what to do. And he was moving. But he was doing it violently to show off. He was doing it violently to show off. He was trying to be better than his ancestors who were the other prophets. You cannot move in the presence of God in pride. You can't. I remember telling you guys uh, earlier this year about my sister who had passed away and how I found out that they did a scholarship for her. And I was like, she's outdoing me even in death. <laughs> really? I was comparing my worth to my sister because she's very successful. She was very successful, traveled all over the world, made it up. She was making a lot of money. She was doing a lot of things that she had done, but that was her purpose. That was her way of being successful. Successful is not what you're doing. That's not the level of success. Success is what you're being in the presence of God. It's not the money you can stack up in the bank. Because you can have no money in, bank, in the bank and still be the richest man and woman in the world. My daddy always says that I'm the richest man in the world because my children and my wife are happy and, and they're healthy. And even when my mom passed away, he still said it. She's still happy and she's healthy. And even when my sister passed away, he said I'm still the richest man in the world because my family is still happy and healthy. My daughter may have transitioned, but she's still with God. She's happy and healthy. How many of you know when you're with God, you're in divine health? You're in divine wholeness. You're divinely happy. There's nothing to worry about. You are successful in that space. And in that relationship he had with my mom, it made him, it, it moved them both together to where she felt strong when she was transitioning and he felt strong to let her go. And we, watching it, felt strong to observe her and let her go too. To the point where all, all five of us told my mother, you can go ahead and go, mom. You don't have to stand here in, in agony. We will make sure daddy's going to be okay. Well, keep your promise to push him and, and urge him when he's ready to meet somebody else and get married and be happy in that as well. That it does not mean that he wasn't happy with you, but he's going to take the happiness of being in that marriage and celebrate the happiness of being in that marriage and use that in, other, in his other relationship. And I've known other people who are widows and widowers who celebrate the marriage that they had with their wife and their husband and take that and allow that to be the love that drives them. That's the roar of the whisper of that relationship. That's the sacred, holy place of God that they've tapped into that they're coming from and allows them to be strong instead of dwelling in the agony and the worry and the upset of grieving. They celebrate the love that they had. 
Elliot, can I ask you a question? What did you say you'll say instead of I'm sorry for your loss? What did you say you'll say to people? When he said that whenever someone transitions, he's realized that he won't say, I, I'm sorry for your loss. I will appreciate and celebrate the love that you have. Not even the love that you had, but the love that you have because love never leaves. It's one with you. Once it's connected with you, it never leaves. My father tells us that celebrating my mother and my sister and whoever else transitioned who we love Keeps them alive in your heart. Celebrating your relationship with God and who you are in the presence of God keeps God alive in your heart for you. God's always alive in your heart, but you're not connected to it if you're not connected to it. Does that make sense? There is power in a whisper. When that whisper is the still, small voice of God. When that still, small voice of God moves you to do the next thing. Even if the still, small voice moves you to stay still. My girlfriend was telling me one time, you know, I feel stuck and I feel stagnant and I feel like I don't, I, I don't even have a purpose. And I was like, what if in feeling stuck and stagnant and not having a purpose, you're supposed to sit still and enjoy the presence of God? Last week, my daughter told me, she's 26 years old, yeah, I got even bored with myself, so I had to go do something. I said, when you're bored with yourself, it opens you up to hear God. She's like, oh. When you're bored with yourself, has anybody been bored with yourself before? What the heck? I'm even tired of hearing myself talking about complaining. In those moments... It's because you spent so much time away from God. You realize the emptiness in being in yourself without God. Caught up in your issues without God. But when you go within, and we will talk about this for the rest of the fourth unity principle, you got to have a prayerful life. When you have a prayerful life, your life is full of prayer. Everywhere you go, because you're conscious of what's going on, you're conscious that you are more than the flesh, I see the spirit in you. When you're conscious of the fact that what's going on is more than the meets the eye, you see the spirit in that, and you tap into that. And you ask for the truth. You ask from the instructions deep down inside of yourself to tap into the heart and be the heart of God in every situation. Whether someone's being that way to you or not. I've been around people I ain't going to do because they ain't do for me. That's a reward-based love. That's a reward-based love. We're not here to be reward-based. We're here to love just because, like God loves us just because. Does that make sense? I am the presence of God. Together, I am the presence of God. I'm ready to hear that whisper. Together, I'm ready to hear that whisper. Now, the other piece about zeal, which I I mentioned, but I got to say it again. Zeal works best. Being zealous for the Lord works best when you're being zealous from the Lord. Not just for the Lord, but you're being zealous from the Lord. You're listening for that whisper for guidance. 
and you follow the whisper for guidance. What that whisper is, is God's wisdom opening up inside of you, not how you're supposed to intellectually do it. If you do it your way, you're going to get bored easily and you're going to burn out. But the only way to keep it refueled and refired over and over again is to connect and hear the still small voice. And the only way to do that is to quiet yourself down and go inside for the instructions that are written deep within you and tap into the love of God. So along with zeal, you have to have spiritual understanding, which is Thomas, the disciple of Thomas. You have to awaken up the spiritual understanding. And once you get deep into the understanding, you have to learn how to walk in that understanding, which becomes wisdom. That's what wisdom is. That's our fifth unity principle. I live the truth that I know. You know the truth, understanding it. You understand it, but you live it. When you live it, it becomes wisdom. Zeal works best when you have understanding and wisdom, but it also works best when you're tapped into it and you're tuned into it. So zeal works best when you do it in love. If you're doing it in pride, trying to be better than somebody else, you are not going to feel satisfied for working for God because you're not coming from the heart. Does that make sense? So Elijah's all scared. And the other thing is, when you're coming from uh, pride and trying to do better from somebody else, that's fear-based. That's ear-based. So the moment somebody says something to you that goes against what you're thinking, uh, Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you for what you did. He got, oh, my God. He just killed 450 prophets and got scared because one lady said she was going to kill him. When you come from fear, you create fear. Second unity, the third unity principle, you create through thoughts held in mind. If your thoughts are rooted in fear, you're going to create fear. You can still do the power of God, but then you're coming from this fear base. You create that even more. That becomes more powerful than the things you've already done, than the things God's done for you. Because you're rooted in fear, feeling it's going to be taken away, feeling it's not going to be good enough. Feeling you're not good enough. You gotta work every day, connecting with God every morning, asking God what is mine to do, zealously and passionately initiating that conversation with God always on your own, tapping in and asking for the instructions to come into your conscious mind. You're already one with them. Lord, bring these instructions to my conscious mind. Let's say that. Bring these instructions to my conscious mind that I may live them through my heart together, that I may live them through my heart. When is a whisper as powerful as a roar? When that whisper is the still small voice of God. Are you ready to hear God's voice? Only a few of you. I'll say it again. Are you ready to hear God's voice? Yes. Thank you. I need to be the conductor. Yeah. Well, you're supposed to say yes. Yes. You didn't do it. Yes. 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 Thank you. Woo. We're going to get this, people. We're going to get this. So there's another scripture that Jesus says. He says that those who hear my voice when I knock will open the door and I will come in and sup with him, have dinner with him he will have dinner with me. What that means is that it is important for us to always be ready and willing. And the only way to do that is to have a prayerful life. You're always praying. You're always open. You're always accessible to God. 
always accessible to God, always communicating with God. And what that means, that I will come in and eat with you. And I had, it's interesting, I had the scripture on there and I took it out and I was supposed to keep it there. What that means is that you will get the real meaning of what it is that's yours to do, how it is that's yours to do, and when. And God will move with you in every moment of it. You will get your instructions loud and clear. You will have the eyes to see and the ears to hear when to move on it. And you will give, you will always have the energy inside because you're tapped into the heart. So I want you guys to write these scriptures down and study them. First one, Jeremiah 31, 33. The second one is the ones that we just did. First Kings chapter 19, verses 10 through 13. And the other one was in, did you give it to me? I don't have the other one. It's in Revelations. I don't remember the other one. But just let's study these two for this. Let's study these scriptures for this week. We're all going to be studying it together. And what happens is as God moves inside of you and you move and all of us move together, the vibration of the church raises up. The Bible says, if I be lifted up, I draw all men onto me. The reason why we've been drawing people into this space who are new, even people who have left and they're coming back, is because we're working in a power of intention. We're following the instructions deep down. By using these core values, by using our vision and our mission statement and affirming it to be so. And I want you to affirm the fact that you are God's word. It's not just the fact that we hear God's still small voice. You are God's still small voice. And when you have the ears to hear, you're hearing yourself, the Christ self, and you're moving according to the Christ self. Let's awaken that. Let's shake it and wake it up. I'm not going to shake your heart. I was going to. But let's shake it and wake it up. Thank you, Jean. Shake it and wake it up. Yeah. Oh, you're going to see me dancing. We're going to shake, rattle, and roll. I am the presence of God together. I am the presence of God. I hear the whisper of God together. I hear the whisper of God. I am ready to follow the whisper of God together. I am ready to follow the whisper of God. I am the whisper of God together. I am that I am. I am that I am. That I am is God. That I am is God. I am God. I am God. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you. Separation, no, no doubt.
Praise God.